In the book of Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 to 32, is what I want to preach on. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob says, I will not let go until you bless me. Wow. Even in that state of pain, he wanted blessing because up to now he had got it the wrong way. And we're going to see how to get blessing the right way very soon. What is your name? The angel asks. And he said, Jacob, Jacob. And uh, in the Old Testament, when you read a name, always Google search the meaning, the significance, because that tells you the character and the nature of the person uh, uh, the Bible is talking about. The name Jacob means liar, thief, manipulator, supplanter. You know, Jacob had more angles than the pyramid had. And yet, out of his line would the Messiah come. Wow, that, that's grace in the Old Testament. Okay. Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have contended with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. Because the Bible said that you can't see God and live. But this, this encounter that Jacob had with a divine being just defines human understanding. Now the sun rose up upon him just as he crossed over to Penuel and he was limping on his hip. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the tendon of the hip which is on the socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the tendon of his hip. Father, we just thank you for your word. Breathe life into it through your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To, to understand this story, you got to know something of the background. Rebecca was Jacob's mother. And uh, in the book of Genesis, don't need to turn to it. Genesis 24 Verse 60 for you Bible scholars. Rebecca's brothers had spoken a prophetic word over her life. Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands and may your offspring possess the gates of those who hate him. Wow. And yet, when it came to trusting God to bring a promise to pass, Rebecca failed the test. God had given her a promise in Genesis 25 as her twins struggled in her womb and she went to inquire of the Lord. So, so here is the paradox. It is possible for a woman to be spiritual on one hand and be absolutely carnal and untrusting on the other. Rebecca divinely married. So she had an experience with God's grace and God's power. And now with this tension 
in her womb, she goes to inquire of God because that would seem the right thing to do. She wanted to know the mind of God for the twins. So she inquired. And the Lord said to her, two peoples are in your womb, two peoples from within you shall be, shall be divided. And the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Wow. And yet, Rebecca failed to work off her God-given promise. And she manipulated Jacob to fulfill the promise. And sometimes in the journey of life, you see this from time to time. Jacob grew up in what we call a dysfunctional family. Now, every one of us, to some extent, are dysfunctional. Some more than others. Dysfunction is not sin. It just means that we are not functioning in the way God originally intended for us because of the fallen nature of man and the environmental condition in which we grow up. In this family, there was fam uh, fam uh, family favoritism. The mother loved one son, the father loved the other. And sure enough, when there is that tension in the family, it's going to continue from decade to decade and generation to generation. Jacob was mama's boy. And God had specifically told Rebecca that the elder is not going to inherit the birthright, but the younger. And so when Isaac was old and he was blind and he was going to die, he wanted to pass on the birthright to Esau, the younger. But God's word said the younger is not going to inherit it. And so when this tension arises in the home and, and the birthright, is, it seems, is going to pass from the younger, from the elder to the younger, she intervenes and she calls Jacob. He says, she says, your, your dad, you know, he, he's going to pass this, this thing that God promised you onto your brother quickly. Look like him, dress like him, speak like him. This is the spiritual woman the Bible talks about who's going to be a mother of nations. I remember about 50 years ago, I had a lady come to our church in Sri Lanka and she wanted us to pray for her son because her son was an alcoholic. And, and, and she said, you, you know, I'm, I want you as a church to pray for my son and he's an alcoholic. And uh, if, if, he, if he changes, I'm going to give my son back to God. That's a dangerous prayer to pray. It's easy to pray that prayer as a mother when your child is not functioning in the place that you believe God wants them to function in. But God works outside of time. So we prayed and believed and then one day she came and said, you know, uh, he's changed and he had a touch from God and uh, you, you know the lady and, and uh, he wants to join the ministry. Pastor, I want him to be an engineer. I can't allow that. Wow, that's Rebecca. And some of you could be like that this morning. You have your agenda. God has his. And often, we fail in our deepest moments of challenge to let go and let God have his way. Because that's the best way. And I was shocked at this lady who was 
a very godly lady in the church she would wear only white as a sign of her purity you don't need to wear white and and look pure god created colors but they come from an extreme pentecostal movement they wear white and then they fight with each other for the next half an hour after their prayer meetings i know so rebecca is at the crossroads of life where she's so obsessed with getting her son jacob into a winning position because that is what god had ordained for his life and if god has ordained a winning position for our children we don't need as mothers to manipulate try to manipulate god to bring that to pass and god will test us on that this is not a husband issue this is not a father issue it is often a mother issue because there is something that eve imparted to women as a consequence of her fall and unfortunately you see from time to time that gene emerges i have people come to me and say you know can you pray for my so and so son pray for my daughter you know this is what i believe is the will of god you know seem to know the will of god better than god does so at this point in time it's it's no point praying because they've already determined what the mind of god is and sometimes that is true but we need to understand that not only does god give a promise he gives the timing if you read the history book the book of genesis the conflict in the middle east today is because of of sarah's desire to produce a son outside of god's timing that's the problem in gaza is not in do we god gave a promise but god didn't give the instructions and the details in fine print and so when things didn't happen in the way sarah wanted it to happen she went to ab and said you know i got my handmaiden there and she is quite cute they say hagar was one of the one of the most beautiful women of her time we don't know that there is just something that has passed on and uh, and abraham said you mean right wow trusting god is difficult but if you stay with the plan of god committed to god's promise he will bring you to the edge of the precipice to test your faith and when you pass the test he bring it to pass so she she's anxious as most mothers are because it seems like like Esau is going to get something which was not destined for Esau the bible says the trial of our faith produces character in us god had promised the birthright to jacob because esau didn't value the birthright and yet just almost at the point of transition rebecca in a unbelief chose to put her hand to the plow and manipulate her son deceive her husband and face a consequence wow she lost her children in the process and that said every bad choice has a consequence and the destiny of people the destiny of our children are in one sense in our hands 
And we got to be cautious and conscious that we let go and let God. And that's not easy to do. So now here is Jacob. He stole the blessing. He stole the birthright. And he, his brother comes home all tired and hungry and, and you know, and he sees a good stew there, you know, and he says, I'm about to die. He wasn't about to die, but the difference between the two is one didn't value spiritual things, the other did. Jacob, with his twisted character, understood the nature of the birthright. That's why he wanted it. And so when he comes to this story in Genesis 32, he is winning because his mother had taught him, you got to be a winner because God says so. Hallelujah. Read your Bible a little more carefully. You can win God's way, not your way. And we all learn this the hard way. So Jacob cheats his brother, but he gets cheated by his father-in-law. Wow, I love that. God has a way of catching up with you. He has a way. How do you like to serve your father-in-law? Sorry. <laughs> it's over seven years now. <laughs> serve another seven. You know, and, and Laban was as twisted as Jacob was. But God allowed it. But you know something? Jacob deceitfully got all the blessings, but he could never enjoy it. That's the curse of trying to grasp blessings that God has for you before God's time and God's season. You get frustrated with your job and then you manipulate in the office and you suck up to somebody and, and you get a promotion and then you find, oh my God, I never expected this. But now you're stuck in the place that God never destined for you. There is something in us that finds it hard to trust God's word. God's word is based on the integrity of God's nature. I am the Lord, I change not. So now, Jacob has to run away with his wives, with his cattle, and he sends them over the other side of the river, and he's alone. Wow. And then a man wrestles with him until daybreak. Who is this man? He's by the river called Jabok. The, the name means emptying out. In order to receive God's blessing, in God's way, in God's time, there's got to be an emptying out so God can begin to fill. So he's alone. And God has to confront him. When God confronts us with our idiosyncrasies, he always does it alone. Wow. He doesn't embarrass us. He doesn't condemn us. Some of your greatest painful moments in life have been a place where God has turned you around. The place of pain was designed by God to become a place of blessing. And you will come out of that struggle a better person. It's not about blessing. We desire material blessing because that's the nature of life. That is what the faith movement promised us. But God's intention for your life and mine is beyond material blessing. You can have nothing and still have a blessed life because the blessing of God is internal. 
And when you have that, you have everything. And nobody can take that away from you. So Jacob is alone. He's empty. His herds are gone. His family is gone. His wives, uh, his two wives are gone. And God is getting ready to deal with him. He's in, he's in fear. Because Esau is ready to meet him. But you, you know something. Esau had the capacity to be more gracious to Jacob than Jacob had towards Esau. I will not let go until you bless me. In the Hebrew culture, they understood what the birthright and the blessing was. It was something that the father imparted to a son. And uh, in Hebrew culture, there is not much juvenile struggles. Israelite children seem to be statistically far more emotionally healthier than those in other countries for one reason. Because when a child is small, at a certain point, the father takes over the responsibility of teaching that child the word of God. Many Hebrew children can read the first five books of the Bible by heart. If I ask some of you where the book of Jude is, you, you, you won't know. Who is that? They can read straight off. So they go, grow up spiritually more healthier. And then when the child is about 12 years old, the son, they have a ceremony where two, three hundred people lay hands and pray blessing over them. Wow. You know, there is power in impartation. That's why the Bible says, suddenly lay hands on no man. The father imparts a blessing on the son. And all the members of the family do so after that. And with those words of affirmation spoken over a son's life, a son can enter into his destiny and purpose. But you might say, I didn't receive my father's blessing. True, not from your earthly father, but your heavenly father has already provided provision for that. I had to grow up without a father. But when I look back on my life, I see God superintending it. Right through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And like Paul, I can say, I am who I am by the grace of God. So Esau cries out, My father, my father, isn't there a blessing for me? Esau knew there's going to be an emotional lack in his life without that blessing. And he cries out for it. And then Jacob blesses him. He says, I've already given the birthright away. But there's still a little left over which I'll give you. Wow. And you know what I've discovered? Men who lack a father's affirmation and also women sometimes walk around with an empty emotional hole in their lives. Hoping that the guy they marry can fill the hole they can't too because they have lacked themselves. Most ladies, if you, if you talk to them privately, they'll say, my, my, my husband doesn't talk too much. Come on, if you can put your hand. You don't need to put your hand. I, I, I know who you are. That's why you try to catch me in the corridor and uh, give me a half hour lecture on life and I'm stuck in the same hole you are. So I can't help you and you can't help me. 
but I am who I am by the grace of God. Men don't talk too much. That's a sign of dysfunction. And that's a sign somewhere there has been some lack in the area of parental blessing. But you know, there is hope for all of us because of the finished work of the cross. You are complete in him. Colossians 2 verse 10. That is the standard by which I live. I breathe and I have my being because Colossians 2 verse 10 says, I am complete in him. And the word complete there means God fills up those empty vacuum spaces in our lives. So Jacob is alone and you might feel alone. When, when, when somebody tells me, I feel alone. There's something that hasn't been done in the parenting process that has created the lack. But when you come to God and you open your heart to him and cry out to him and say, God, fill me, he will. Because God thrives in filling empty spaces because he's God. And you and I don't need to carry all that pain around. A couple of days ago, weeks ago, I said something to somebody and, and that person told me, this is the first time somebody has said something nice to me. And I thought, wow, wow, you be nice to yourself. I am complete in him. I look at myself in the mirror now and say, hey, Mr. Gasman, can I model for one of your ads? But that wasn't that way all the time. In that moment of loneliness, God enters Jacob's life and wrestles. Jacob thinks he's going to win. All his life, he struggled to win. It's all about winning. We live in a great culture. We live in a great uh, country. But the culture is all about winning, not about losing. But you know something in the Christian life, you got to lose first before you start winning. Jesus emptied himself on the cross. From a human perspective, it was over. But there was a resurrection. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity doesn't have to accommodate Australian social culture. It stands unique on its own. Jesus said, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And when you get that inner freedom, you don't worry too much what somebody else thinks about you. Because you can't please everybody. That's the starting point of life. So here he is in a lonely place where God can have his undivided attention. No diversions. God is in a place where he can confront Jacob. Because God wants to take him to a better place. So ask him, what's your name? And he has to say, I'm Jacob. You know, Jacob, I'm the guy with the bends, the angles, the pyramids. I can sell a fridge to an Eskimo. Some people say, I don't tell a lie. I bend the truth. Since God has got him in a place to transform him. And it's a lonely place. Because God, when God wants to transform us, he doesn't do it in front of others. He doesn't shame us. When we are like Jacob, we are already shamed. So, so... God doesn't add more shame onto us. That, that's what Christianity is about. Before God can bless us, he has to separate us from the things that we value in life. Jacob's identity was in the stuff he had accumulated, the wealth he had created, the blessing he had stolen. Now out of the darkness, there is a shadow fighting with him. 
and it was dark, no light. You know why? God hid himself from Jacob. Suddenly Jacob comes to a realization, this is not an ordinary fight. This has divine origins. That's why he asked for the blessing. He's smart, he's shrewd, he's, you know, he's not the guy. If you kept company with Jacob, you'd always keep your hand close to your purse pocket. Read his story. And yet, God would change him around. That's what the gospel is. That's why the gospel has to be communicated to everyone who needs to hear it, that no matter how messed up your life was, this is who you were, but this is who I am by the grace of God. And when we understand that, we don't have prejudice to people who are different. We can accommodate them like the angel did, like the divine being did. And Jacob says, no, I'm not going to let go. I want a blessing. He's still after a blessing. And you know what the angel does? Touches his side. You know, when you fight with God, you can never win. <laughs> Don't fight. I, I have people tell me, you know, Pastor, I fought with God. Who won? <laughs> not you. There's a price. And Jacob had to pay it. The purpose of the encounter was to transform Jacob. Not that God got any delight in causing him hurt and pain. Every encounter we have with God has a purpose. It's one step closer to our destiny. Jacob didn't need just a grease and an oil change. He needed a complete overall. And sometimes God will get you into a place where you are stuck. And I am stuck. And we are all alone and we are trying to weasel out of this, but God is in control and God is in charge. Wow. He's gone. You're praying for deliverance. You're praying for release. And you show up on Monday night and you should because you want a release, but God will not let go until he has done the deeper work in you. I've been there several times. And then you walk with a limp. You're just not the same again. You're not the same. But now he's Israel. He's Israel. God changed his character. But further down, when the Bible talks about Jacob, sometimes he says Israel. Bible says Israel. Sometimes he says Jacob. You know why? Because the two natures struggle within us, one for dominance over the other. So sometimes you are Jacob, sometimes you are Israel. When you and I have a deep understanding of who is in charge of our struggle, we can let go. God is not committed just to our, uh, our winning. God is committed to our development. That's important. God is not interested in giving you and me a better life as some of us falsely believe God is committed to our personal growth and development because when that happens everything else becomes immaterial you know I have come to a point in my life that I don't need nothing absolute nothing I got everything that's an amazing place to come to because nothing has hold and power over you anymore nothing I have nothing to pray for for myself I pray for others 
the one of the worship team sent me a list and and uh, my my favorite song used to be what is done and then i said can we change that so the person asked me why the, then i said every night for the last uh, maybe 90 days when i go to sleep i go to sleep on what is done <laughs> so at some point i want to say god you already done nothing more enough <laughs> god walk with a limp he had to walk leaning as a reminder of who is the source of his destiny not his gifts not his talents not his manipulations by his mother or himself could take him into a place that god ordained for him i didn't know what you when god has ordained the place for you he somehow other get you there because he's the god of grace god looked at jacob i can't use esau because esau traded his birthright for a bowl of soup so i got to find an alternative to use and he said jacob i got to use you when saul sinned god had to find an alternative david wasn't the best choice but god looked into the heart of david and he says maybe there are some as more angles than the pyramid because there there's something there just 10 20 30% but if i work on that 30 i can make it a 60 this grace and grace is a old testament pattern too you and i wouldn't use jacob but god did because god is sovereign and it's in- interesting that in the original language god used a s- soft touch not full force because if that happens jacob wouldn't be able to walk away you know how many times you cross the line and god has used the soft touch he been gentle you know i know it's a soft touch but it was enough to cause him to walk with a limp and he calls the name enia because i have seen god and my life is preserved he received the blessing and the art of winning the right way so there's a right way to win and there's a wrong way to try to win and when you win the wrong way through manipulation and deceit and the bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all things who can know it you can't enjoy the blessing so if god has destined something for you take your hands off and let him bring it to pass if god has shown you something about your children take your hands off moms and let god bring it to pass he will test you over and over and over again on this god is more concerned about our children than we are because he is god it's he who gave rebecca children so he was in control jacob's desire for blessing came through deceit and manipulation now after confrontation with the divine means the divine being he receives it the right way if god has something predestined for us we can walk into it the right way and the right time isaiah 60 verse 22 says in my time i the lord will make it happen so what does jacob do right all alone he got nothing he's empty and now god fills him and he crosses over and he reconciles with his brother that issue needed to be settled also 
So in the context of your family relationships, if you are out of step with any member of your family, seek reconciliation. That is part of God's purpose for your life. God doesn't care who did the hurting. God doesn't care who got hurt. God wants you as a Christian who calls upon the name of the Lord to embrace grace that you have received and take that grace and seek reconciliation. And he did it. And Jacob says to his brother, I got some herds here for you. I got some cattle here for you. Esau says, I got enough. I got enough. And they part company and they don't meet again. They don't meet again. They only meet at the death of the mother. All because one woman stepped out of line in unbelief. Wow. See the outcomes. And you think this is only a Genesis story. It isn't. It is repeated over and over again in Christian families and Christian homes. Because each one of us sometimes wants to stand for our principles. And we don't seek reconciliation. The essence of the Christian message is reconciliation. Not just with God, but with those who have hurt us, whom we have hurt. You know, it's not all one way. That's why when, when somebody comes to me with a story, I want to hear both sides. I want both people to sit down together. I want to know the truth from both. And then they don't show up. Some people want to pour something in your ear and then you shoot your mouth off because you got prejudiced by hearing the one side and you don't know the other side of the story. We need to know both sides. And when you tell them that, they don't come. As far as is humanly possible, if there is a door of reconciliation you need to walk through, walk through it. Then you can live at peace with everybody. And don't come and say, you know what they did to me? I don't care what they did to you. Neither has God. He says, live peaceably with all people. Jacob stole his brother's birthright. You know, you, you, you can understand that in, in that early Hebrew context. And yet, Esau seemed to be a greater man as far as reconciliation is concerned. Jacob is only trying to uh, reconcile because he's cornered. And they were in part of company when they met each other. And it's like that in many homes, many families, Christian homes, they call themselves Christians. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves, honestly. And then we carry a Bible and we have a tract and we are praying, you know, till early morning at five o'clock and going to sleep at night with, uh, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. God said, go and reconcile. Don't worry about who is right, who is wrong. Say, look, my brother, you are my brother, you are my sister, you are my family, and I just want you to know I release everything in my life. You know what will happen? You sleep better at night. Taking the... Taking melatonin doesn't help. Jacob, you shall no longer be Jacob. Jacob was broken, but he was not bent. Just a soft touch. And often when God wants to deal with us, he does it through a soft touch. And the place, the river Jabbok, becomes penian. I have seen God face to face. You need to see God face to face. What are you trying to bring to pass in your life? 
outside of God's timing? That's a hard question. Jacob had to surrender. My life is out of control. But God, you are stealing. What, a, what an encounter. And that's the encounter we want with God. Before God can bless us, He has to separate us from things we hold on to. We have to let go and let go. Then when something happens, has no influence over it. Many, many years ago, when we were here in this church, 15 years ago, a principal of a Christian school lost his job on Friday. And on Sunday, when he went to church, somebody had not turned off something and his house burned down. Christian school. Christian, born again. Serving God. <laughs> you know what he had said? It's all right. It's on your house. I bet it again. That's no problem. That's my job. God is in control. That's maturity. Christian maturity is not being 20 years in the church. No, 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 no. Christian maturity comes through the furnace of affliction. When God turns the heat on and you feel the temperature rise and you say, God, it doesn't make sense to me. But you are in control. And if you are in control, that's enough. Mm -hmm.